On this holiday episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, Chuck Norris saves Christmas in 1985's Invasion USA. Welcome to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, a bi-weekly movie podcast that features hosts Brandon and Cullen discussing a film from cinema's past, considered but not limited to being a cult classic. As a disclaimer, each episode will include plot spoilers and may contain harsh language. Episodes available on cultcinemacavalcade.com and iTunes. Like the show on Facebook and follow on Twitter at CC Cavalcade. For questions, suggestions, and all inquiries, contact us via mail at cultcinemacavalcade.com. This is Cult Cinema Cavalcade. This is Brandon. And as always with me is your co-hoster who podcasts so many Neil Breen movies, you'll beg for the Ewoks, Cullen! I'm, uh, I'm full of Colombian cocaine, and I want to talk about Chuck Norris. Today we're here to discuss Chuck in 1985's Invasion USA. Cullen, tell us how this classic Christmas fable goes. A one-man army comes to the rescue of the United States when a spy attempts an invasion. Invasion USA is directed by Joseph Zito, starring Chuck Norris, Richard Lynch, Melissa Prophet, Alexander Zale, Billy Drago, and Eddie Jones. It's Christmas time, it's Hanukkah time, it's Kwanzaa time, it's days off from work time, and New Year's is around the corner. So we do uh, a holiday movie. Last year we did Elves. I think that actually had more to do with Christmas than this. Another bearded man saving the day on Christmas. And if oh. you remember, there, I had I had quite the... I, I could barely not laugh through that episode. So a... There are fewer Nazis in this movie, but I think there's more communists. They might be communists. I'm not, I'm not entirely certain what their endgame was here. They don't like America. They don't care for America, yes. Especially, especially a... Florida. <laughs> yeah, and parts of Georgia. Invasion USA has been you know, on my list just to do on this show. It's, it takes place during the Christmas season and has uh, some a lot of Christmas decorations in it and some Christmas music. So it's my uh, Chuck Norris Saves Christmas movie. It's been kind of a off-and-on holiday tradition for me to watch this one around this time because it's ridiculous. And now it's time to take a look at it on the show Why we're here. The amount of Christmas in this movie is is minimal. It's almost an afterthought. <laughs> it is an afterthought. Is what it feels like actually. What's it? It's it, I mean, it's as much thought as you know, Die Hard with Christmas. Uh, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. What's Invasion USA about, and why with Christmas? Well, let me tell you. It uh, starts with that Yuletide, you know, age-old tradition of some Cuban immigrant hopefuls floating on a boat to Florida. With a little kid in tow, talking to his dad about, what are we going to get here? They are relieved when a Coast Guard boat approaches with Richard Lynch, who plays Mikhail Rostov, which we don't know he, he would ever be called Mikhail at this point. We're just looking at him. And he's, he's mm-hmm. dressed as a captain. And he welcomes to the US, them to the U.S. in Spanish, which is 
the last thing I think the Coast Guard would do to oh, a yeah, boat yeah, yeah. floating. He starts to help a man on board and then shoots him like point blank in the head. And then they just unload on the entire fucking boat. Happy yeah, when, holidays. When I, when I saw the boat, because the boat's the first thing you see. Well, you see the boat above, uh, just below Chuck Norris's enormous name. Yes. Because it takes up almost the entire screen, and there's a little boat underneath it. I was hoping that boat was going to explode. I thought it was going to. <laughs> it's one of the few things that doesn't. Yeah, like, when everyone dies, I mean, it's everyone would die if the boat exploded. But it doesn't seem as awesome and badass. It's just like, oh, well, all those people died. Well, now it's sad. It's pretty, it's pretty ruthless. I mean, canon movies were known for not like having any thought and just being cold and quite mm-hmm. mean spirited with these things. And they're, in retrospect, they're they're just shocking and eye opening. Like, holy crap! Yeah, they they just completely wipe everybody out, and then they open up the panel on the boat. Well, they have some they have some guy on the boat with them that's like bound that mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah never yeah. comes back or anything, but knows where some cocaine is on that boat. And you would think that's kind of like a major plot point, but it kind of isn't. Yeah, cocaine is here in this movie, but not... But it doesn't seem that important. Unless there's some it... little bridge that is that we missed, or the movie cut out the, the connective tissue. It's, it's Chekhov's cocaine. That's what we have in this movie. Yeah, it, it, this character of Nico will, will talk to Richard Lynch, telling him he's you know so distracted by going after... Our, our protagonist in this film, which is, you know, inconsequential to his plot, and he should just leave it alone. But he's got also got a coke problem that... And, and not doing coke, just, like, stealing it. I, I guess? Is that the key to yeah, taking... Is that take, the key to taking over the U.S. is cocaine? Apparently not, because it doesn't really play a real active role in the movie. Well, once we see the cocaine, we get our title, which is just like, yeah! It's like, this is how it's action a- movies are done. It's as big as Chuck Norris's name, where it takes up the whole screen. Speaking of Chuck Norris, he plays Matt Hunter. And it, as the credits roll, we get to watch him drive his airboat through the waters of Florida and just looking tough as shit during the credits. That's pretty No cool. sleeves. He has, he has no time for sleeves. No time for sleeves. Interesting note in the credits. Do you know who did the makeup for this movie? Who did the makeup for this movie? It was headed up by Tom Savini. And what? And uh, also Howard Berger and Greg Nicotero. They had a group on what? this movie. It was uh yeah, Joseph Zito, who is a guy from the eighties. I, I like plenty of his work here. He and Tom Savini first met doing a slasher film called The Prowler, which I think is maybe his Savini's best work, or at least top two or three. And that dynamic duo landed them getting Friday the 13th the final chapter which was the year before this and they had a good working relationship and Zito asked you know if Savini would you'll come over and do a Chuck Norris movie and we gotta think things were different back then uh we don't people weren't like going and and getting giggles out of Chuck Norris movies back then or you know these were taken seriously and uh Savini jumped at the chance because, you know, I, he's like, I'm never going to get a James Bond movie. And Chuck Norris, is, he compared Chuck Norris to, like, the, you know, James Bond of, like, the modern time going on. He's like, he's like, he's like, he's like you know, he's like, you had, you had James Bond movies, you had Clint Eastwood movies, you had Charles Bronson, and you had Chuck Norris. And Chuck was, like, 
really starting to take a lift off at this point. So he jumped at the chance to do it, even though he's like, what am I going to do here? And it, and he brought his two, you know, two of his guys that were under him, Nicotero and Berger. And most of the shoot, they were like off. They didn't like do anything. They, they talk about that. They went to Disney world almost like every couple days. They took their families <laughs> well, to Disney world and cause they had nothing well, to do. Well, yeah, like outside of like squibs, I don't know what they would do in this movie. Yeah, it's just because they were makeup. They're not doing like explosions or, you know, destruction. But that's that's what they did. He's like, you know, what? I want to, you know, Tom Savini did it for an opportunity to try to see things out. He'd also go along with Joseph Zito did another action movie, Red Scorpion with Dolph Lundgren. That was one of Dolph's first ones, uh, Solo. Mm-hmm. And he also, I think before Invasion USA, he did Missing in Action which funny story missing in action the first one is actually the second one joseph zito convinced them after watching rough cut of the first film that he could make a better film and he should release they should release his first so they did and then missing in action what what, what really is missing in action one is missing in action two it's pretty funny it's just, but just more of the zaniness that you get with canon yes so zito he has a he has a relationship with with norris and 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 savini here and that's where this combo came. But I think it's the funniest thing is that, like, wait, Tom Savini, Howard Berger, and Greg Nicotero? And I don't know what they did on this? It's like, exactly. You don't. And they don't either because they were at Disney World most of the time. We then get to the crime scene of the Coast Guard boat uh, where I think they're feds. These guys that just walk around crime scenes. Sure. They just walk around crime scenes in this movie. That's all they do. And go, oh, man. They do no investigating at all. They're just like, man, what a mess. Like, we got to get to the bottom of this. And they never do. Yeah. Uh, they find out there's a reporter that showed up before any law officials got there. And they find her. And she's super pissed about being held and questioned. And she says she took some photographs. What they find is the Coast Guard boat is full of dead bodies. Switch over back to Chuck Norris or Matt Hunter. And he's getting muddy fighting gators with some old guy. It's like trying to tie up gators. <laughs> and and that's it. And we're done looking at that. That's, yeah. And then we move. <laughs> and then Richard Lynch comes back into play at a like hotel brothel by the hour place with hookers around the hall. And he meets in an office with good old Billy Drago, which I don't remember his character name, but I just know him. He's always he's Billy Drago. He's always a scumbag. Yeah. And he, he shows him cocaine. And then there's this, this some like illegal weapons place going on and there's a guy named nico on the phone that tells you know richard lynch it's all here and then drago tells the phone guy that you know let him have it and then when drago goes to tell him it's a pleasure doing business with them there's this woman who's like doing coke off his desk right by him and mm-hmm. richard lynch slams her head on the table like as she's snorting cocaine james the coke straw right yeah. up her nose. and then he's like stab does he stab drago and then he pulls yeah. a gun and he fires at two dudes in a completely other room, knocking them down. And then he throws the woman out the window. It's been a pleasure doing business with you. The pleasure is all Like holy shit! 
And then he leaves. It was amazing. Yeah. I was just like, jeez. I, I said, holy shit, <laughs> when he chucked her out the window. What the hell just happened? Like, first off, slamming her head on the table is enough to be like, holy shit. And then he, he he's not, I'm not done with you. And just boom. He's like, he wants to make sure that woman is just dead. <laughs> She's super double dead. Oh, and, and fun fact, that's the end of the cocaine. Yeah, because... It's never brought up again. Some dude comes in and, like, t- steals it off the table. Yeah, some little black man comes and if, if I were him, if I were to run up there and I heard sirens, I'd, I'd go, oh, shit, I'm a black man surrounded by cocaine and the police are coming. That's terrible. They don't like those situations. <laughs> so I'd, I'd get the hell out of there. He takes the he grab, but he grabs the cocaine and runs like hell out of there. Maybe he got away with it. We don't know because the cocaine's never seen or brought up through the rest of the movie. It's in the opening scene. Maybe, it, but it doesn't matter to the rest of the fucking movie. Maybe there is something they're not giving us where Billy Drago was like some key to getting Richard Lynch into the country through a cocaine thing, but Richard Lynch had other plans, and that was I don't know. I don't How know. They got him into the it, country. I. It, it's, it's not there. It's not, like it's not was, there. It's not like anyone was smuggled into the country through this deal. It, it makes no fucking sense. There'll be some <laughs> other things that don't make any sense but, that we'll make sure to point out in this. Because movie, of so. this scene, because of you know him killing Drago and the woman, it's worth it just because it's like, oh my, that plan of action just the result of it works. Why it's there, I don't know, but I'm thankful for it. Yeah. I'm sure that was the Golan Globus inspiration in this movie. Like, oh, and then he kills her. Well, why is it? Why is he even here? He kills her because she's a bad man. Maybe they keep shooting the movie. Maybe they had to. They had to write that subplot in because they actually had so much coke on set that they had to like be like, oh no, it's a prop. It's a prop. It's a prop. It's in this. It's a write-off. We're using it in the movie. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine, guys. Remember, it's there. Just keep the dailies around in case police come looking around. Can we write off cocaine? Just do it. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Matt Hunter helps his friends sell a gator to a guy. And uh, that night, some dude in a suit, he rows up to his to Matt's place. And he walks in and he sees an armadillo. From behind him, Matt grabs him in a hold and says he's, he's not interested. And the guy tells him that Rostov, <laughs> which is Richard Lynch, he's in the country, which does get his attention. Matt Hunter says, you should have let me kill him when I had the chance. Now he's your problem. I, I love that this guy comes into his house, doesn't say a word. Norris gets him like in a chokehold and says, I'm not interested. And yes. in what? You don't know who? Are you? It's dark. Are you sure that's the, who you think it is? I don't know who it is. Does this happen? Does this happen you know frequently? Yeah, exactly. Like, does someone like from Amway? He doesn't know what's going on. They usually show up about and, 930. And I also love this guy in this suit, whose name I don't think we ever no, know. No, he shows up like two more times, and I, I didn't get his name, and I don't recognize yeah. the actor. He says uh, the company needs Chuck Norris. Th- the company. Like, it's written by Andy Sedaris. Yes. They think they... Re- vague they, they later, like, call it the agency, too, I think. Oh, do they? Yeah. Well, they're perfect. It's another Sedaris crossover movie. It's the best movie Sedaris never made. <laughs> there's not enough boobs in That's it to true. be a Sedaris movie. We then go to this, there's this mansion where I guess important criminal people are meeting up and outside Rostov's there and he's sneaking around and then he has a rocket 
launcher, but then a gun comes to his head, and it's Matt Hunter in like full like stereotypical Chuck Norris getup. There's like there's like two outfits Chuck Norris you think of when he wears them that aren't karate related, and both of them are in this movie, and this is one of them. Yes. And he's like, "Not this time, yeah. Rostov. It's time to die." And he kicks him, but he wakes up, and Rostov's having a nightmare. If there was a dream sequence to be had, I thought it was going to be Chuck Norris's, but no, we see the villain's nightmares. <laughs> yeah, that would have been, um, that probably would have been better. Spend some time with our hero, develop his character a little Which bit. Which is hilarious. Nico comes in, he's like, ah, oh, the dream again? <laughs> so he's sharing his dreams with Nico. It's, it's kind of cute. <laughs> Rostov says they have, to, he's like, they have to kill this bastard before the operation. And Nico's like, it's a distraction, but Rostov insists. You have, like, perfect trailer dialogue here where Nico's like, he's one man alone. What can he do? And Rostov says, you only know his reputation, but I know his work. As long as he's breathing, he's a threat. What's so ridiculous is none of that dialogue's in the trailer. That's perfect. It is, you yeah. Don't even need a... You don't even need a narrator with dialogue like, like that. Like, it's the most stereotypical 80s action dialogue. It's great. It's like... The only way it could be better... As if they were standing up and like the light from a set of blinds was coming in and it was like hitting them right across the eyes. Yes. That would have been perfect. And then like a saxophone playing. <laughs> so Matt Hunter is at his swamp water home. Is that what it you call it when you live on whatever water? Swamp shack. Yeah. And he's just out outside sawing some logs and minding his own business when armed guys led by Rostov on airboats approach and hunter he just senses something is amiss apparently chuck norris in this movie has like spidey sense he can sense when something bad is about to happen he goes into his house and then his friend comes on over the old guy with the gators and the free airboat rides and he spots the the bad guys and he pulls a gun and like starts shooting at him and then he's of course mowed down Rostov and company unleashed, like, fucking hell on Matt Hunter's house. Like, machine guns, grenade launchers, like, everything. But luckily, he slow-mo jumps through a window to get out. But, Jesus. They, no, blow, it, this, it's they blow this the shit up. And luckily, though, the armadillo survives, too. Well, I, I love that when Chuck Norris, is he's outside with the chainsaw, you know, chopping up the wood, that the armadillo is, like, he's drinking milk or something. Chuck Norris, like, looks up and just... He just laughs politely. It's like, oh, ho, ho, ho. army the armadillo, you'll be the end of me. <laughs> well, they, they, you know, they figure the job is done, and and Matt then carries his friend's body into the home wreckage. He covers him with a blanket and then burns his home down. <laughs> well, the way he does it, he, like like Chuck Norris looks around, and he just has the attitude of like, well. Fuck this place. And he just, like, <laughs> throws a lamp down, and it starts to burn. And uh, my thought was, what about the armadillo, you shit? <laughs> You're going too, little buddy. Yeah, that armadillo is either homeless or dead by the fire that you just started. And by the way, the armadillo, not in the rest of the movie either. Nope. You think that maybe there'd be some kind of cute relationship? No. Chuck Norris works alone. Not even with photographers he runs into constantly. Oh, my God. That photographer. Oh, I fucking will get. I fucking hate her. I do not care for that photographer. The the most useless character in this movie. She's here she, because they need a female presence. That's it. I mean, the, I mean, uh, it's, it's this super macho, heavy duty male movie, and someone's like, mm-hmm. we need to put something young and attractive in this movie. 
for the boys, and because she does nothing. Like even it's not whether she needs to be male or female. The characters, oh yeah, doesn't do anything. It's garbage. It's there are multiple times in this movie where she doesn't even show up that much. But when she does, like anyone could have done this. All you need to do is make those feds slightly more competent, and you don't even have to have that role in there. That would have been great if if the feds would show up from time to time and like, oh, he's getting in the way, or she doesn't even have like. You think she's there to be a love interest? No, that's not even there. Uh, no, not at all. She's just. She gets one cool moment in this movie. We'll talk later, but it, 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 it could have been anybody. But I yes, I agree. So Hunter rides his airboat to town, and and he gets his badass pickup truck. Like that's probably Chuck well, Norris's own truck, right? He's like, I put this in my in the movie. It's, it's kind of my, on my contract. Well, there's two things that are strange about this. When he gets to his truck, first of all, the windows rolled down. Who the fuck does that? Secondly, he stands with the door open and he looks around for a moment, as if he's thinking about something. But then he just gets in the in the truck and just drives off. Like, what were you, you, know you what thinking? Looking at? What was he thinking? Shit, forgot my armadillo. <laughs> That's the, that would have been great if this would have showed him like like looking around with that puzzled look on his face, and then they just shot like back to the armadillo, like just drinking milk, and then he would just get in his truck and drive off to show us that he's thinking. He's still thinking about Army the armadillo. I'm assuming the thing is called Army because why not? Army and dangerous. So there's this beachside food joint where Jingle Bells is playing overhead. So you know it's Christmas time. Exactly. And Nico and Rostov are there, and they revel in the start of their operation that's going to begin that night. And apparently America has... Is, did he say America has not been invaded by a foreign country in 400 years? Is that what they... I thought it was 200, 200 years. 200 years? Might have been, I don't remember. He says they're their own worst enemy, but they don't know. That night, a couple's, like, fucking around on the beach, and some flares go yeah, up. It, it, yeah. It cuts right from that two people making out on the beach i mean yeah they're trying to get it on while watching tv on the beach nico approaches them and shoots them both like he he shoots the dude right away and then just sits in like eh, should i shoot yep boom dead kills the girl and then boats like tons well, of well, well and then and then you're missing an important fact then he just watches phyllis diller yes, for a little bit. yes we do watch phyllis diller it's just on the on the TV on the beach. He's just he just takes a moment for Nico and watches Phyllis Diller. I watch Philly D, and then these boats start storming out the beach, and like ter- tons of terrorists get out, and they're just like charging from the beach. They all like march to these semis and moving trucks and vans that are all unmarked, white, mysterious, suspicious. It's and and they load there's, up into them. There's like eighty fucking trucks. It's ridiculous. And like thousands of terrorists. Or Russians, yeah. or what? Because they're not all Russians. They're all uh, nationalities. No. All they're, sorts. Yeah, of... they're all over the place. So they're they're just they're just terrorists, but not the stif- stereotypical terrorists that politicians would have you uh, believe in now. They're just actual terrorists, yes. just jerks. And meanwhile, at a street diner, Hunter meets up with that agent guy and says, "Yo, I'm on the job." And the guy goes, "If anything goes wrong, the government will act like they don't know you." Yeah, yeah. and who are you again? Yeah. Anyway. So our, our feds, they uh, are, of course, late the next morning on the beach, checking the boats from the previous nice night when, uh, guess who's there? 
McGuire, the photographer, she snaps a photo and heckles him about what's going on. And she crosses the police line when she sees Hunter, who she calls Cowboy, but it, like is immediately pushed back. I figure like Norris would be like, oh, let her in. What's going on? But no, she's pointless. Yeah. There's no reason. Yeah. But scene doesn't need to happen at all. Not one bit. So let's just keep in mind that in this scene, the, the feds or the police or whoever the hell these people are, are on the beach. And Chuck Norris is also on the beach. Remember that and i'll bring it up later because something doesn't seem right about that and that night in a very christmasy white caucasian christmasy neighborhood people decorating outside lights kids playing hark the angel herald angels sing plays the family that trims the tree outside they put garland on the tree outside you know like you do when you decorate outdoor stuff you put garland on things because you know nothing stands up to rain and snow better than garland <laughs> oh and she's the little girls putting a star atop the tree too mm-hmm. the terrorists pull up rostov tells nico they make it so easy don't they nico and then he fires a rocket into home all these homes and blow the fuck up of the neighborhood like this is ruthless they just yeah boom but like they like in the back of, of a, houses like a like a flatbed truck is shooting a rocket launcher, and he says, oh, they make it so easy. What are they supposed to do? Have rocket-proof homes? Do you live in a rocket-proof home, you dick? Yeah, and I mean, that guy can't... I mean, he can't go five seconds without that rocket launcher. That's the only weapon he holds in this movie. That's his, that's his go-to weapon, definitely. And yeah, they just blow the shit. It's like, holy shit! He's like that bold and the beautiful guy from Hard Ticket to Hawaii, where the only weapon he can use is a rocket launcher. It's not Christmas all the time. <laughs> so there's this, like, dance party that, oh, McGuire's there taking photos. <sighs> Two dudes are hooking up, talking about hooking up with girls, and they go talk to some. And then this sub- suspicious-looking police car with even more suspicious-looking police, like, pull up. And one of the dudes gives the yeah. cop, you go, of course, let's just go out and give the cop shit. Apparently, it's a neighborhood where they've been harassed. And the cops then unload shotguns on everybody. And the one cop's going to kill, like, McGuire. And the other one says, hey, cut it out. He wants witnesses. Okay. And, well, no, I mean, it actually does make some kind of sense. And McGuire sees all this. And then the real cops show up, and everyone turns on them, like, throwing shit at the car. And then they, the cops just say, fuck this and drive off. So Matt Hunter yeah. is... And driving down a sketchy street, and like everybody's yelling shit at him as he's driving, and like beating on his yeah, truck, it's, and it's like it's what? It's a neighborhood full of assholes, just out of nowhere. It's like hookers and shit, my... and like it's not, it's not because he's a white guy in like a minority neighborhood or something like that. There's white dudes that come up and like yell shit at him and and kick his car as he's driving, and not just like like lightly kick. It looks like the attempt to drop kick his truck as he's driving mm-hmm. by like what the fuck what did he do to you people what is your problem do they not like beards yeah like <laughs> like that tr- that truck is too black get out of our neighborhood yeah it's crazy he stops at gill's spot and immediately going through the door this old dude stops him and is mad because he doesn't know who he is and you know ask if he's buying or selling and hunter's like just looking and then he squeezes the guy's hand to shatter the beer bottle that he's holding. And it's like, oh, geez. He falls out. He goes to the, the bar. 
to sit by a guy who knows who he is. They asked him where Rostov is, and he says he owes him for saving his ass in South America. So the guy says that some guys that might be associated with him are at the King Cobra. And we go back to that dance club, the crime scene, where the Fed gives McGuire shit for always being at, at the place where all the shit happens. That guy that Chuck Norris talks to, we have no idea what their relationship is. We've never. He's like one of those seen... uh, those action hero guys. It's like the old buddy where they had they had some shit happen back in the day, but that's yeah. But it's just this could have been done by just like shaking someone down on the streets, or I don't know, just any number of things that could have been handled better, other than this guy that he knows that happened to be in this bar in the asshole neighborhood. So the next day, Rostov enjoys the news and drinking on the beach. And then Nico Nico gives a guy a bag and tells him Merry Christmas that's sitting with them. And then that night, two do, we go right back to night. Yeah, and then it's night it's again. Right back yeah. to night. That happens a lot in yeah, this movie. Yeah. So two dudes are buffering, buffing a car in front of a strip club. Like, like you do. Yeah, that's apparently. And a guy pulls up and like pisses him off. And he... Because he runs over his his, uh, his water bucket. Oh, his water That's bucket. Water. Okay. He talks to this lady and kisses on her, which pisses some dude off. And then they go to the back room, and the guys follow him. Car buffer goes like in in there as well to follow. And then in the room, the guy t- tosses the girl off, claiming his bandaged hands why he did that. Yeah, I don't... Whatever, yeah. And he puts, it, he puts his hand on the table, and then Matt Hunter jumps out and stabs it <laughs> to the table. He... <laughs> He jumps out of the shadows. He's like, shit, I did not know he was going to be there. Yes. Yeah, he shoves a knife through the guy's hand into the table. And let me say this. Matt Hunter does not know anyone at this place, not even the girl. So it's like, he just guessed the room right. <laughs> oh, shit. And also, how did he get in there? Well, we don't know what happened before. Maybe he went in. But, you know, uh, how, you know, like, we didn't. And how long is he? How long has he been waiting? I'd like to imagine he went there the night before, and he's been waiting there since. Yeah. That, that, that's what I wanted. That's my that's again, my story. It's it's again. It's just his spidey sense. Yes. Just and he's like, I bet they're gonna be in that room at this time. I better be there with my knife to jam it in someone's hand. He's at. He's trying to get information on Rostov out of the guy, and then one of the car buffers comes in, who was pissed at the guy. Okay, and then he tries yeah. to mess with Matt Hunter. It's like, dude, no, yeah. no, Matt Hunter's on your side, man. He he didn't like him either. And he goes, and, and Chuck goes, "If you come back in here, I'm gonna hit you with so many rights, you're gonna beg for a left." And so he's like, "All <laughs> right, all right, to- deal." And he it's enough to get the buffer out yeah, of there. He yeah. goes to get the other car buffer guy. And the hooker yells about, like, what are you going to do now, tough guy? And Chuck Norris is like, you're beginning to irritate me. And then he beats them both up, pulls a grenade out, and then, you know, you know, he takes the pin out and has the guy with the knife in his hand hold the thing in place. And he says, if you live through this, tell Rostov, it's time to die. And the guy, then he takes the grenade, he throws it out the window, which lands in the, the guy, the guy's, the car that was getting buffed. And it blows he up. He comes outside. He just kind of has that, oh, man, my car. Oh, my attitude. car. Where he should be saying, holy shit, I was buffing that two minutes ago. I could have been dead. Yes. It's a good thing that guy ran over that bucket. 
We then go to a super Christmased out shopping mall. And there's like this little kid walking around blowing a bubble. And he looks at a display for a truck that I just, I felt, I was like, Chuck Norris is going to drive this later, right? I was wrong. <laughs> I felt like, you know, like yeah. it would be his replacement truck. But nope. Mm-hmm. Nope. I was wrong. So this kid throws gum at the windshield. They have a thing with like gum in weird places in this. Because there's another scene later in a hotel room where Chuck Norris is chewing gum. And he takes it out and just sticks it on the painting behind him on the wall. Yeah. Real. <laughs> Why would he? I don't even know why anyone would do that. Which the gum on the windshield pisses off the security guy that chases the kid. And then the guy that we saw on the beach with Rostov. And he's got the bag Nico gave him. And it's beeping. Which, you know, I don't think it means he's got a little microwave that's food's done. And... He sets the bag down at a makeup counter, which people notice, and they're like, hey, sir, you forgot your bag. You forgot your bag. And then he starts running from the people, and they're trying to give it back, and then, you know, gets security's attention. And then when he gets in the concourse, all these dudes start opening up fire. The bag blows up. More shit blows up. And then Matt Hunter drives through the entrance, and he's not fucking around. He's got double machine guns that are so heavy duty. He has like an attachment, like shoulder strap attachment to like hold them in place. And this is just, yeah. this is just like mass destruction of this mall, which I think was the mall that was actually closing. And they're like, yeah, have at it. So, so they, yeah, they were like, yeah, they're like renovating that part of the mall, I think. So they just like, yeah, just blow it the fuck up. Just like that neighborhood. Yeah. Yep. yep. Earlier in the movie. It was a neighborhood that's getting torn gonna, down. Yeah. Yeah, it was going to be torn down to like extend a, a, a runway at an airport, I think. And it's just it's the same thing. That's why they can just go a- absolutely ape This shit is in why mall. 80s action movies are cool. Things are really blowing up. Things are really getting destroyed. I mean, I I don't hate CG, but there's just, when you go back to these, you kind of get this like, holy shit, when you realize like, man, they're really fucking stuff up in these movies. Yeah. How did Chuck Norris know that this stuff was going down because the guy with the knife in his hand didn't tell him, Hey, this is what's going to be happening later. He just somehow knew. He knows where to be. He knows where to be. Yeah. He's like a drug or like a bomb sniffing dog. He could smell the bomb. So he drove a truck through a wall. Yeah. You watch this scene and you're like, Oh man, this is bad. And then you figure you're going to like, have, you know, this is going to be followed by, you know, Chuck Norris and the feds being like, Oh, they got us again. But no, he's there. It's like, Oh snap. I love that. He doesn't just like, like run in with, with weapons, like, you know, armed and ready to fight these guys. He, he does the least subtle thing possible and rams a like, car through a wall. Like he could have killed a ton of people. He absolutely could have. He he wasn't laying on the horn or anything. He just breaks through the front the front doors where people are guaranteed to be walking. Yeah, guy, bad guys getting that display truck that I thought Chuck Norris would ride, and he and Chuck jumps onto it, and they're driving and there's wrecking and shit, and he's just sitting there repeatedly hitting the guy in the passenger side in the face. Yes, as as they're driving through the the mall and. They're breaking like through walls, so this so Chuck Norris's character is just getting pummeled by the mall while he's punching this guy in the face that's driving. Right, and M- McGuire she pulls up in her convertible car to take photos, and he falls off that truck and whatever, but gets in her car, and then they give chase well, while a random woman has been gra- well, yeah, grabbed well, by the hair. Well, it, it's so great, like that truck, it it it, it breaks through. 
a different entrance. Yes. And and then there are these two women that come up and like, hey, you jerk, what do you think you're doing? Who the fuck would do that? Who wouldn't run like hell the other way? No, no. The only other women that are in this movie decide to be... They, they stand like, up to terrorism. What? Well, it's not like they're standing up. They're there. They don't know they're terrorists. They're just they, they just decide to chew these people out because what they did was wrong. Right. They, he just grabs that woman by the hair and then he just drives. They drive off. off. So Hunter and McGuire they give chase, and they go to make this save where like McGuire's like reaching off the car and they're trying to get close and grab her to bring her in. They end up the bad guys end up like dropping a grenade and blowing it up. But not before driving into a line of parked cars. <laughs> but so every, every every car does not blow up. However, when it makes contact with that front car, I mean, yeah, it's it, it's blown up. So it's still it's still pretty good. I gotta say, this whole mall sequence, amazing, great oh, fucking fantastic. highlight, good chase, good just shit blowing up, wowzers. So. Well, yeah, like, there's that whole, uh, this, this big gunfight, all these explosions, and then, like, guess what? We're not done. We're going to have a ch- car chase where a human being is on the outside of a car, and it's like an actual, it's a real person. Yeah. On the, you know, hanging on to the, the side of this car for their fucking life, and I think it was even a woman, too. Right. I don't think it was just a dude with a wig. It was a woman, which was extra badass. Yeah, it was, that's just good stuff. Later, Rostov, he grills the bandage hand guy about talking, so he must have said something in an alternate take we didn't see for the movie? Yeah, because all it was, it was just him saying, like, hey, or just Chuck Norris saying, hey, uh, I'm going to get Rostov. All right, bye. Well, you didn't get any information from the guy. <laughs> Pretty much. So he shoots the guy in the crotch to death. And the feds once so so good crotch trauma. We're back up. We're back in it. We've been slacking. We've been trauma. slacking. The Ewoks didn't have any. Angela Lansbury didn't have any. Well, I'm sure she caused crotch trauma to some people when they watched it. Yeah, but it wasn't in the actual video. Gotcha. So the feds once again uh, just patrol the aftermath of the attack at the mall. This time, now the National Guard is in tanks patrolling the streets. And we get back tonight with Hunter back in his pickup, uh, driving around like nothing happened to it. And he sees the National Guard, like, everywhere. But then, the guys who were the terrorist cops before are now dressed like military people, and they pull him over and ask him for his ID, to which he just pulls out a gun and shoots them up. <laughs> he knows again. Yeah. The Spidey's, the Norris sense is active. So two of them, they're both still alive. And then he goes to one, he goes, you feel like talking? And he's like, I didn't think so. And he shoots him. He goes, the other guy. And the other guy's like, okay, 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 okay. And so helicopters start patrolling, telling citizens not to leave their homes. But, there, but of course, there's a family wandering the streets. And they have to come across the area where Rostov and his guys are. And they, they go into church. It looks like a lot of people have escaped, too, during this curfew time. And Rostov has a suitcase bomb set to go off up front. But Nico shows up to tell him, an update on the Matt Hunter damage. So he leaves with Nico. But the guys, they take the fuse. I think it's a fuse from the suitcase bomb. It's a wire to the detonator. Right. And they walk it all the way back to the alley. And they hook it up. And they go to hit the button to detonate all the poor people in the church. And nothing. But above them is Matt Hunter. <laughs> it's on a rooftop. On a rooftop. He's like, didn't work, huh? 
will. <laughs> when I saw him walking towards them, I I yelled out, Yes! This is gonna be awesome! And it was. What I love about, like, you know, the Chuck Norris one-liners in this movie is they're so, like, overly simple. They're not, they're not clever. They're not they're, clever. It's like he wrote them they're himself. They're stupid, but they're not clever. You, you know, his name's on the screenplay. I wonder if he wrote those. Well, abs- I, I bet you're right. He, he absolutely... Well, I love that. You like to talk? Oh, I didn't think so. And <laughs> that's, like, that matches brilliantly with... Didn't work, huh? No, well. Yes. <laughs> it's so matter of fact, all his day. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's almost, sh- it's just short of saying, hey, fuck you. <laughs> Boom. You know, like, it's that, uh, like, level it's of like, cleverness. Ha! Now you're dead. <laughs> bang, bang, you're dead well, now. Well, like, he constantly taunts the bad guy with, like, it's time to die. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, coming out of your mouth, Chuck Norris, anyone's, no one's going to like to hear that because it's probably going to happen. <laughs> so the next day... Uh, now it will. Next day, oh at a grocery, McGuire's back, uh, covering a, a, apparently a grocery store that's short on supplies. And then the military shows up, and she's curious, and it's Nico and the other terrorists. But Hunter is in his truck, and he pulls in to kill them all! <laughs> How does he know to go there? Yeah. He was, was he just driving? He was just driving around. Yeah. Like 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 early, like I I can I can accept that maybe the the fake National Guard guy would say, "Hey, they're going to be at this church, they're going to blow it up." I can buy that. That's how he knows to be there. There's no way Chuck Norris knew to be at this grocery store in his truck to stop this. Uh and by the, one of the like grocery store like workers had like a shotgun. And he shoots a dude, and then he gets shot in the gut with a shotgun himself. He's like, oh, good guy with a gun. I, I love that. Like, he, he just shows up. Chuck Norris shows up, and then he just kind of, like, just kills Nico. Like, it's just, well, it's just Nico, super anticlimactic. He takes, he takes uh, McGuire at gunpoint, and he's all yelling about stuff. And then he ends up behind him and just pulls the gun to Nico's head, and he shoots himself but, in the yeah. head. It's like It was another one of those, like... Aha, I'm behind you. It's like Chuck Norris's move. He's like, ah, you didn't see me. I'm behind you. He has teleportation powers in this movie that would make Jason Voorhees jealous. Yes. Which, uh, hey, his... hey, uh, if you notice, I mean, Joseph Zito, he did direct Jason Voorhees. And sometimes I feel like he's <laughs> treating Chuck Norris like a Jason Voorhees in some of his, like, with some of his camera work. Well, he absolutely was because Chuck Norris was in that truck. And then magically he's behind Nico to kill him. How? How did this happen? And then we go, this is ridiculous. The church, all the people from the church are like loading their children onto a bus and sending them to, and I quote, the country. And then the bus is surrounded by men with like shotguns and shit as everyone's like, bye, bye. I'm like, this is like creepy looking. This is one of the scariest images in the film. And it's no bad guys. On their way to die. Yeah. Like, uh, you're sending them with these guys? Oof. And what's so crazy, this happens directly after Nico is killed. Like, directly after that scene. It's, there's a lot of things in this movie that are just kind of jarring like that. You're like, what? What? Hey, what? We're in this scene now? Yeah, this movie has no bullshit. It does have bullshit. No, no, it's th- the feds. 
Yeah. But th- there are almost no transitions, and it's it's remarkable. We stay with the kids on the bus, and then there's a car with terrorists that's driving near them, and they have a bomb, and they get to this, like, construction area, and, the, and they, the, the guys, the terrorists are impatient, so they, they drive over a construction worker, go off the road, and zoom up to catch up to the bus to attach a bomb to it. But guess what? Matt Hunter is also in that traffic. <laughs> Senses something. A l- the little girl on the bus notices a bomb, but Matt Hunter gets out of traffic, catches up with the bus, grabs an explosive, and then... This, off the side of the bus, he's driving yes. his truck, and he's able to grab it the off side. the side of the bus. And then he dumps it, and the, he catches up the terrace, which he has like 20 seconds on the bomb when he grabs it, and he dumps it in the mm-hmm. carrier's car, and he says one of his good lines. Hello, this. That car blows up. I know it's fantastic. <laughs> Did you lose this? Lose this? You know, would you, would you like to know what I said when this happened, Brandon? What? When he said, lose this, and he stuck it on the, the car. I said, fucking yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and then kaboom! My, my, my excitement was as clever as Chuck Norris's line yes. in this movie. So I, I get confused because he's at this, like, deserted and like blown up <laughs> midway from like a carnival and he's he just cuts, walking he cuts right from there yes. to chuck norris walking around a carnival wait a minute what the fuck is happening is this is that where you were is that where you were driving to is that why you were in traffic yeah and the agent guy gets shows up and congratulates you know him on taking out nico and he goes didn't help these kids did it for every one i stop hundreds succeed and he says he's going to find Rostov, and, and he gives the agent something that he wants him to do, and the guy's like, thinks it's nuts. And he's like, the agency will never cooperate. Think of all the risks. And Chuck Norris turns and goes, think of all the stakes. God. So all, all, apparently all the governors in the United States are gathering for an emergency meeting to impose martial law. And then meanwhile, Hunter's in a hotel watching some B-sci-fi movies in his hotel room and giggling. I believe it's Earth versus the Flying Saucers. I, I, that's what I was thinking. I wasn't sure. But it's just, um, yeah, it's just uh, very unmet Hunter-like. This is how he winds down, apparently. <laughs> Watching B-movies. He was he was laughing. He was having a yeah. good time. But the feds... He's, he, he, he was having such a good time, they took his gum out of his mouth, and he stuck it on a painting. Yes. So the feds surround his place. They break in. They're like, we got gotcha. you. Like, Nobody's beyond the law. So Rostov then sees the news about a guy that you can assume is Matt Hunter being arrested. Red papers start flying from the sky in the town, and McGuire, she's around, of course, and she picks one up, and it, it gives notification of a curfew. And she goes into the military office that's set up and sees Hunter in passing, and the media catches Hunter and asks him to talk to the camera, and he says, and he just looks into it, the camera, and threatens Rostov. That's pretty much it. Is there anything you'd like to say to the media? Yeah. Nico was easy. Now it's your turn. One night you're going to close your eyes. And when they open, I'll be there. It'll be time to die. And uh, it, it works. We, 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 
Well, he, first of all, hey, remember all those times on the news where uh, the, the reporter asked the person that's been arrested for a, a statement? Because, you know, that happens so often. Yes. That, 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 that's pretty great. And secondly, Norris, he looks into the camera and says, Nico is easy. Now it's yes! your turn. Yes. Which, which when I first... When I saw that, I thought, that's fucking badass. And then I stopped, like, wait a minute. People at home don't know that he's talking to someone directly. Yes. It just sounds like he's going to murder anyone that's watching. Right. Not specifically the bad guy of the movie. So that wouldn't cause more panic or anything. Rostov sees this, of course, and he, like, throws his TV and... We cut to an armored car garage where security people are just hanging out, and then the terrorists blast their way in, and they yeah, steal and the armored the, cars, just like that. They break in. They blow open a wall. There, there's a person sitting behind a desk, and it's, and you see the, the camera is, like, sitting behind them, and when that wall blows open, there's still a person there. That's not like a mannequin. You see the person move a little bit, and then the wall blows open, and you see this person get rocketed back. Yeah. Like, it looked like, I can't imagine that person would be alive after that. It's ridiculous. Like, we could have seen someone die, like, die on camera. die in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, so they take these army cars, and they go to where the military building where Hunter is, but he's already out and ready. And the terrorists, like, shitloads of them, all, like, it's every one of them. Uh, go to attack an empty building just shooting shit up and they keep shooting and shooting at nothing and, and then Rostov realizes it's a trap and when they leave the building the military had some they somehow missed the whole military outside forming or being around <laughs> or the military is yeah, no just shit. that quiet or their camouflage is that awesome and they're ready for them with Good. big tanks and shit and and there's not just a few people up there. There's got to be like 30 tanks yeah. out there. And I don't know, like, a, like 300 fucking people fully armed pointing at these terrorists. Yeah, and it's just, here we go. Big old firefight. Tanks, helicopters, boom, bang, kablooey. It's a, it's a, it's a damn war that takes place outside this building. There are no pennies left in this budget. It's and but it's oh, all yeah. on the screen. I w- I'm willing to bet there's like reels and reels of unused explosion footage from this movie. Sure, absolutely there is. It's crazy. And inside, Matt Hunter's <laughs> going on like one on ones with like guys yeah. in his in his uh cool double Uzi getup. He he is he is quietly walking through this office building while a war is taking place outside. Yes. You don't hear a gunshot as he's walking through the building. Yeah, as soon as he, you know, he dispatches with all the guys, and then it's Hunter versus Rostov. And Rostov's looking through, and he gets down a hallway, which there's a window behind him. He's got his rocket launcher, but guess who else has a rocket launcher? It's Matt Hunter! And he says, it's time. And then he fires a rocket launcher at him from, like, five feet away, and he just apparently obliterates him as you know you see the window crash open and there's nothing but like fire and debris like pink mists yes and we see him look matt hunter looking on we freeze frame fade the end america (laughs) merry christmas 
I can't believe that's how the movie ends. It, it like there, there's that huge fight that takes place outside, and there's like four terrorists that survive and they surrender, and the national guard's like, "Hooray, we did it! Hooray, we stopped terrorism!" And this guy gets vaporized. <laughs> and that is the end of the movie. The last thing that fucking happens is he blows up, and then credits. I I love that Chuck Norris. <laughs> He says it's time, but he doesn't just say it's time. He says like in sl- kind of slow mo. Just it's, it's t- time. Yeah, he does say it, it is kind of slow mo. <laughs> it's like they didn't want to commit to full slow motion, or maybe that's just Chuck Norris was having an episode. I don't know, but it's time. Or the, it's the last. Piece of dialogue yep, movie. Yep. that matches his clever, clever puns. It's like, oh, because he's saying it's time to die, and now it's time. I get it, Chuck. Brilliant. <laughs> USA. It's, it's full circle. <sighs> That's the perfect ending. My jaw dropped when the credits started. Like, what? <laughs> That's it. Yep. That's it. We did it. We killed the bad guy. He doesn't like you figure like oh he'd get like a last moment with Maguire. He's like oh thanks for the help out there. Hope you write a good story or or just anything or just the National Guard taking the terrorist away and putting them in the back of a van or something. Nope, Kablamo! It's over. The only way to extend this ending to make it fit with how it already is is if Maguire like came out from a corner in the building after he shot him dead, and he turns to her. He's like, now that it's over, it's time. To fuck. <laughs> it's time. I imagine that's what Chuck Norris says when he's about ready to climax. It's, it's time. You're beginning to irritate me. Now comes the time in our episode where we rate the film we just talked about. As we are cult cinema cavalcade, our options are culty. Our first is stay with your family. Which means you're not too into the beards. You're just going to grow the nice stash. Converted. You know what? You're down with the beard. You'll give it a try. You'll give it the full grow. The stash, the beard. And drink of the Kool-Aid. You not only got the stash, the beard, but you're going to go with the Canadian tuxedo and the nice uh, suspender Uzi holder harnesses things as well. So, Cullen, how do you rate Invasion U.S.A.? Like, short of him doing karate, this is the most Chuck Norris movie ever made. <laughs> he's got a beard. He's got his denim. He, he's called Cowboy, which is foreshadowing for Walker, Texas Ranger. He wears little black gloves. It, this is textbook Norris. For all these reasons, I am, I am converted. I am very highly converted. I am almost almost drinking the kool-aid on this i i think if they would have got rid of mcguire if if they just would have made it like the feds instead that would have been uh better like it would have been a lot better and and also if it, if we could just have just just an inkling of what the bad guys what their goal was because that was never explained it's just like well let's scare this shit out of america for a while they don't plan to take anyone over. They just, I, 
I guess they just want America to destroy itself. That's the most I could get from it. But if if it was just for those two things, I would absolutely drink the Kool-Aid. But unfortunately, those two things are keeping me, they're holding me back from completely drinking the Kool-Aid. And I'm only converted on this. Brandon, how do you rate Invasion USA? I, it, no surprise. I will drink the Kool-Aid and go back for a refill because this movie, it's a holiday classic for me. I think it's it's my favorite Chuck Norris movie. It's, I think, possibly his best. And, and it's uh, if you could pick a film to define one studio, you know, define the studio by one film, I think you have to make a good argument for Invasion USA for the Canon Films. Like, this is, this is what they were with one of their, you know, poster child action stars. Like, it, it, this is pretty much everything there. And this movie's got so much explosion, so much ridiculous action, so many, like, what moments, uh, sour, poor one-liners from Norris that are infinitely entertaining because of that. I have a blast with this movie. I try to pop it in on the holidays uh, every time. Just go around, and I worry about it every time I go back, but then I end up going, oh my gosh, it's... It, I don't watch it constantly or anything, but every time I watch it, I feel like I've just forgot, or my mind just can't fully capture the sheer ridiculousness of all of this. You have to see it firsthand, and like as the film itself, you have to get into the film's mood from the start to get to the finish, just to really grasp how crazy this film is. So yeah, I drink the red, white, and blue Kool-Aid of Invasion USA. If you live through this. Tell Rostov, it's time to die. On the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing End of Days. Yes, that's the 1999 Arnold Schwarzenegger versus Satan, New Year's Eve, end of the century, apocalypse, antichrist, epic. And Cullen, that's a 90s movie. So that can only mean one thing. Aaron Newirth is making his 2017 debut on Cult Cinema Cavalcade. Uh, Aaron from Out Now with Aaron and Abe, who you remember from other 90s movies we've done, like Mars Attacks and Ravenous. Welcome, Aaron, onto our first episode of the new year, and we look forward to that. Uh, this, th- But this episode has come to an end. Cullen and I would like to wish all of you and yours a happy holiday season. And we'll check you out next year. Now, stay tuned for the trailer for End of Days. The trailer that actually trails. December 31st, 1999. The end of a century. The end of a millennium. The beginning of the end. He's coming for you, Christine. Can you see him? Who are you? How do you know my name? He's gonna find you, Christine. Get down on the ground! You don't know what you've done! You said here the guy spoke to you. Yeah, so what? The guy doesn't have a tongue. Listen to this. I've seen the earth laid to waste. 
Take it easy. You're the good guys. They tried to kill me. Why? She's been chosen. Chosen for what? If the dark angel consummates your flesh with this human body before midnight on New Year's Eve, then he unlocks the gate of hell. Ah! For my wife, Christine. May God forgive us! Let her go. How can you expect to defeat me when I am forever and you are just a man? Cult Cinema Cavalcade. You can find more of Cullen's work on the Creative Zombie Studios Network and on Twitter at my name is Cullen. You can find more of Brandon's work at whysoblue.com and on Twitter at BT Peters. Podcast produced by Brad Shoemaker. Edited by Brandon. Narration by Becky. Theme song Pink Baby by Happy Elf found on the freemusicarchive.org network. The movie in today's discussion is property of its respective studio and no infringement is intended. Please remember to leave us an iTunes rating and review. Join us again in two weeks for the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. I'm Chuck Norris and I approve this message.